everybody. Good Tuesday afternoon and welcome in to another episode of Great Corner Gals. This is the show where we talk about amazing women doing amazing things in the freight and logistics space. I'm Kaylee Nix, back with my partner in crime, Grace Sharkey. Grace, it feels like it's been quite a while since we've done a show, right? It was like teacher supply chain and then I was on vacation. It was July 4th and things just all got crazy and it's good to be back. Yeah, we're back. You're ready to go. Um, we have a wonderful guest today and uh, excited. I was just thinking that too before jumping on, like, uh, we haven't had a, a good uh, episode, new episode for a little bit now. So we're back at it, though. Vacations are done, right? Kind of. But I'm uh, happy to be here with you. We're in the dawn days of summer, and it's like that summer fun is kind of gone over with. And we're like, man, we just got to push through and work through the end of summer here. So we're back and together in person, and it's great. As you mentioned, we do have a really, really good show today. We've got an awesome guest talking about everything from venture capital, starting her own really, really cool ventures, and then now being in the VC space. We're going to get to her in a second. But before we do, we've got some news to talk about here this afternoon with a new survey finding that fewer women are in commercial driver positions. And this is super interesting. Our folks at, or our friends at Women in Trucking, of course, they do all of this research, right? They pull together all of this data. And during a recent Women in Trucking webinar, Brian Everett, who's part of their organization, they shared this photo, which is from the iHeart Trucking Photo Contest. Wilson Logistics shared us this, and it highlights all their female employees. And I think this is fascinating, right? Because it looks like there's about 15 to 20 employees there. Only one's a driver. Yeah. Uh, it, first of all, I'm happy to see this many uh, women in different roles throughout a company. I think uh, we don't want to downplay that, right? Like, it's very important that you're not only looking at women in trucking, but also women in HR, women in accounting, women in engineering and maintenance, et cetera. So there's a lot of areas that we'd love to see more women in. But I think the biggest one, and which is kind of crazy is tomorrow, right, is our Enterprise Fleet Summit. And I'm speaking with women in trucking on this exact issue is how do we get more women in that driver's seat? And unfortunately, it looks like from this past year, which thinking of market conditions, it's it's considerable, but uh, there has been a decrease uh, 1.6% decrease in women drivers over this past year. So uh, it's unfortunate that we are in the market that we're in, but that we're also seeing that number, something that you and I have both really worked hard and, and hope with the show we'd see improve mm -hmm. is actually uh, taking the opposite direction. The interesting thing about the survey is that it's a fairly small sample size, 360 respondents, yeah. but this actually doubles the sample size that they saw in the 2022 survey. And so we are seeing good numbers in reporting, which is awesome. We're also seeing a lot of folks that are reporting in these surveys speak on their diversity and inclusion policies, their DEI initiatives. And a vast majority of them, 56.4%, have a DEI policy. And about 20% said that they're in the process of put putting together a policy. And obviously, we know just having the policy isn't always doesn't always mean that it's going to be enforced, right? Having that policy doesn't mean that there's always going to be action behind it. But that is part of the first step, not only talking about getting women in the driver's seat in the doors, but then also getting them moved up the ladder, if that's what they want, and into these big time C-suite roles. Is that something that you have found as well, Grace, in chatting with the folks that you talk to, is that a policy is a good first place to start, but you also have to have that action behind it? Yeah, most definitely. And, and oh, I'm happy to hear that those are growing too, because in a, a time where I'm sure companies are looking to cut costs and really see exactly where they can you know, squeeze certain areas. I would uh, hope that that isn't one of the first ones to go. A lot of these like resource groups or 
um, maybe more focused time on the women within your company. Uh, but I'm happy to see the investments there. And hopefully we'll start to see, <laughs> honey, thanking who our guest is today. Hopefully we'll see a return on that investment, right, over some time. Uh, and, and that work actually plays out. So, uh, yeah, where we're not going to see, you're not going to start a resource group or some HR initiative and uh, tomorrow, all of a sudden, the women in your, your company have uh, ex- exponentially grown in population. No, it's, it's going to take work and time. And I think the more companies we see put that effort in, uh, maybe this time next year or even a few years down the line, we'll see that stat maybe swing the other directions, hopefully double digits, but we'll see. Time for sure. Absolutely. It is it is playing the long game when it comes to your recruiting and retention efforts. So to hear a little bit more from the folks at Women in Trucking, we can, of course, tune into the Enterprise Fleet Summit. That starts tomorrow morning live at 9 a.m. Got to go register for it, though. It's on live.freightwaves.com. It is free registration, even up to the start time of the event. So it doesn't take a chunk out of your budget if you're deciding to go. You're going to hear from Leah Shaver, an awesome woman in the industry as well, as well as some of our other favorite folks, Rick Larkin, Larkin from BCB Transportation and as well as Sandy Church from Ardor Express. So definitely make sure that you get in registered for that one. There is a free giveaway as well. It's a Soto speaker set, so you don't want to miss it. Anyways, Grace, you mentioned our guest for today. Let's go ahead and welcome her in. Go ahead and get things started because we have a lot to talk about. We're going to welcome in Amy Mack. She's a partner at Venture 53. And of course, we love talking to women in the venture capital space, especially because as we know, it is still vastly underrated. We also know that women in venture capital typically tend to fund women who are seeking investment. We love to see that. So Amy, thank you so much for joining us today. It is awesome to have you and welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm very excited, of course, to have you on. And you know, it's funny, Amy, we've we've known each other. We've talked about a lot of the work that you're doing, but I got to take some time prepping for this interview, looking into your background. And you have an incredible experience, not only in uh, really taking risks, starting your own ventures yourself, uh, but really started in more of marketing and, and media. Can you tell us why you initially got into that field and how that's actually helped your your career over time? Yeah, for sure. Um, so, you know, I'm a UNC Chapel Hill girl, go Tar Heels, um, and um, I was a journalist there. I know you're a Michigan girl, Michigan State girl. Uh, and um, so I was a journalism major there. So going into media was sort of like the natural kind of next step. Um, so I started my career in um, media planning and buying with advertising agencies. And I, d- I really did that for about 10 to 15 years. Um, I started in North Carolina, moved to Atlanta. But um, really sort of the headline as it gets to venture capital is sort of the idea of like, what is media? And it's really just communicating an effective story to the right person, which is kind of exactly what we're trying to do for um, our portfolio companies. Um, but really, so I started when I, um, and it also has a little bit of a, so I started in North Carolina, moved to Atlanta. I've worked for maybe three, four agencies. And um, my last experience, um, the last agency I worked with in Atlanta, I actually opened an office for Coca-Cola. Um, to service their media planning and buying um, and have someone for the New York agency locally be here. Um, That gave me just a little taste of wanting to do something out on my own um, and being part of really kind of leading a charge on something. 
I think that this is fascinating, especially as someone who has that media background myself, right? I've been in media for now the five years, five full years of my career, plus the four years of my education. And it's very interesting because you're so right. It is just communicating that story in the right form and fashion to the right people. And again, as you mentioned, that's really what it is when you're seeking investment, right? I think about the show Shark Tank, which is, of course, like everybody's first classic thought when they go to investment. It's a founder's job to tell a story and to get people involved with their brand or their product or their technology that they're selling. It's a founder's responsibility to be able to communicate well and get people to buy in. It's just like any part of persuasion, right? When you decided to make those connections, that loop between your media skills and then moving into a venture capital space, you had a little bit of space in the middle where you founded and executed an amphitheater. How did that transition go from media to founding now to VC? Yeah, I wouldn't really think of it so much as a transition. (laughs) In some ways, it was a complete jump to something new. In some ways, it was a continuation of what I was doing. Um, I moved from Atlanta to Arkansas and really missed sort of uh, in Northwest Arkansas. I know Freight Waves hosted um, Future of Freight there think last year. But um, when we when I moved there, you know, there was something really missed, some things that I really missed from Atlanta. And so like any endeavor, it started with a passion. Um, and then from there went to a business plan. And um, it, you know, it was a really exciting time. Um, we kind of, much like starting this venture capital company, we got together people had many conversations, um, you know, you had your naysayers. In fact, we had folks that said, this will never get through the city council. Um, we presented it and we were unanimous, unanimously voted a yes, um, to which we were like, oh, this thing is really going to happen. <laughs> um, but what it gave me was sort of the background of what it feels like to be running your own business and to be an entrepreneur and making those decisions and the stress of um, not making any money, the excitement of even making your first hundred dollars after the expenses go out. And um, I say it was like as big an education as, you know, my formal education, the learning of all those, all those types of things while they were happening. Um what else can I say about that? It was just a crazy It got us really firmly involved in the community. Um, and and I should say, as it relates to venture capital, when we started that endeavor, um, we also started where there was a team of five of us um, with the idea of like, how are we going to get out of it, right? We were just individuals. We weren't a corporation. And we weren't like, you know, super deep pockets. We relied on you know, ticket sales and sponsorships for the, um, it was called the Arkansas Music Pavilion. Um, but we brought in, you know, the city, we brought in, it's essentially going to, you know, we defined it as how would we get out? It's going to be the city, someone in the arts or somebody who's wealthy um, <laughs> that's going to help kind of grow this thing to the next level. Um, so we brought in sort of those people as part of the conversations. And ultimately, um, the Walton Foundation which was the Walt family of Walmart, their foundation came in um, and purchased that venue. And it is um, alive and strong and super exciting. And um, it's really turned into something that doesn't really happen anymore. Um, 
in the worlds of the big ticket masters and venues and the way, you know, music is becomes more fragmented in a lot of ways. And so it was really a very exciting um, endeavor, but it gave me a background on those feelings and the hard work and the doing. And even though you might have one role, you have lots of roles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then in and and that experience as well, right? Like coming up with that uh, actual business plan, even at, as you said, what's the exit plan? How are, how are we going to hand this off to someone who can really make this grow? Uh, it really is interesting now. It's led you to what you're doing today, which is at Venture 53. How did that transition come to be? And especially uh, what was it like for you moving into, I mean, after handing off to one of the biggest logistics uh, participants there is at Walmart, but uh, jumping into the more of the supply chain industry as well. Yeah, it's um, it's funny how every industry is so tight, right? And so supply chain is definitely not as well. <laughs> um, the one short answer, short one word answer to that is really sort of COVID. COVID's what led sort of the start of this venture 53. Um, and so all not ba- not all bad things came from COVID. You know, there was definitely... It highlighted some problems that needed to be solved. And um, during the uh, one to two years, whatever we want to call that COVID time period, we um, met with lots of people um, in supply chain and VC and had lots of discussion about, um, you know, how we make this thing a go and who the right people are. And, you know, we sat around with our masks on or six feet apart or, um, as we kind of developed sort of this plan to move forward with Venture 53. And, you know, one of the things we also learned from that is like uh, who the doers are and who the talkers are and sort of who has this. I mean, essentially, Venture 53 is its own startup in that way. Um, you know, we are working with startups, but we're also, you know, starting up our own business. And so we got through those conversations, we got to learn a lot about other people. Um, and the right things that they brought to the table to sort of assemble the right team for us. Um, And right now our team is about six people. It is six people. Um, And we are evenly split. We've got three women and three men on our team. I was just reading over the about section on Venture 53 before we started the show. And I love seeing the diversity, not only the gender diversity, but the diversity of each of the team members from what they were involved in. Obviously, there's a couple of you guys who had some hands in different CPG companies from Tyson to Coca-Cola, as you mentioned. There's folks who came from the government side of things. There's folks who came from investment banking. Of course, Pat Martin, the founder, is one of those folks who has 20 plus years of industry experience, specifically on the supply chain side. And I think that that really translates well into the portfolio that you guys have put together. And a lot of that is in kind of this early stage logistics technology and there's some big names on there. We see Emerge, we see Highway, we see Freight. And all these solutions are also fairly diverse in themselves. How has it been building out those different portfolios and building out those different funds that you guys have done and really making that conscious effort to keep it diverse, but still very all contained in that supply chain arena? Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, let me go back to what you just said, which is like the diversity of our team. One of our big tenants of operating is this idea where a group of insiders, outsiders, legends, and visionaries. Uh, 
you've named some of those legends and visionaries and not to go into our LP group, but um, our LP group specifically is very involved in the industry. But it's always good to have an outside eye and outside voice um, in every, every piece of it, every piece of that insider, outsider, legends and visionaries op- um, offers something new. And things aren't going to be solved just from the inside. I think when um, when any industry is disrupted, um, you see that there have been sort of some outside influences that have contributed to that or brought a fresh eye to it. And um, Kaylee, tell, ask me again. I've already forgotten the question. I just wanted the next girl to talk about insiders. Because that is one of the things we always talk about. Insiders, outsiders, legends, and visionaries. And how... We bring that multi-focus to our portfolio. That's that's exactly what I was asking about, was that diversity of the founders has, has led to the diversity in the, that portfolio, right? And I mentioned that you guys are very much into that kind of early stage adoptions of freight solutions in every space, from supply chain solutions to last mile to looking at data sharing. And how how do you guys really go about kind of deciding who fits that portfolio is that something that comes from that diversity aspect and those insiders, outsiders, legends, and visionaries? Um, so it for sure, it for sure does. Um, we are very methodical. So early stage is hard, right? And everyone has an idea, but then you have to be able to execute the idea. You have to be able to, there has to be a market for it. There has to be the right competition. There has to be the right timing and sort of the economy of the market. Um, but, so we try to be very methodical. And so I'm going to be equally methodical. And I've printed out sort of the things that we we look at. So um, when we look at a new company, of course, we look at the people. We look at the founder. We look at the team. Um, we look at the problem, um, not just the market, but the opportunity in the market and and how large that market's going to be. Um, the product, if it's a solution that people are really, um, if it's going to be worth the pains of making a change that there's going to be a solution that's worth it. Uh, of course, profit, we're looking for um, a money-making model. Um, and all of that is to, to look at where they are, where they're going, and then see if we can help them make some progress. Um, and we, An important piece of this is we look at early-stage companies, but we have to look at companies and be sure that they're companies that um, – not just want to become successful companies and want to be owners of companies, but they're folks that want to build a company and sell a company and roughly in a time frame of, say, you know, seven to 10 years. It's interesting, especially uh, you bring up the, the pain points, right? Like making sure that these companies that you are choosing, which should lead to an incredible exit, are really focusing on true problems uh, that we see in supply chain and uh, I mean, to name a few, you and I taught like my carrier is probably one of my favorites of, of all the areas, right? That we could use some tech LTLs for sure, one of them. What are some of the areas or pain points that you and the team are really focused on today and uh, are looking into for the near future? Yeah. So we try to keep a pretty balanced portfolio. Um, we kind of got five verticals that we focus on. Okay. And so in our branding, we're, 53, 5, and 3. So you're going to say 5 and 3 a lot. But um, we sort of have, we have these five micro verticals that we really try to focus on. And our portfolio is pretty balanced across those. Um, but so supply chain management, freight tech, 
Last Mile, um, Warehouse, and Autonomous. Um, and I would say we're we're pretty balanced across those. In the last year, ending last year through maybe you know first quarter this year, um, there was a lot of Last Mile that came through the pipeline, and we we've seen a lot of Last Mile. Um, companies out there. I think we've picked four really good ones. Um, and uh, we're working to help those companies um, move along. Um, some other companies that we're really excited about, um, Philogic. Uh, it is, do you, are you familiar with Philogic? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, Belfair, he's just a really dynamic, he's he's one of those cases where you meet a founder and you just know that he's going to be able to drive an idea, idea through. Um, but the idea of um, doing fulfillment um, in sort of these unused, untapped areas that never would have been used, even when malls were thriving, um, but in these mall areas and supporting those uh, as he has his tagline, bricks to clicks, but still supporting those sort of um, brick type companies um, like the malls and helping them to be equally as strong in an e-commerce space, not only by their geography, um, but also, you know, with his background um, and their ability to kind of bring bring folks on. So that that's one of the great companies. Uh, and then outside of that, one that we're really excited about, which is really forward-looking, is um, Drone Express. Um, and they've got a lot of really exciting things going on right now. Um, not all of which I can talk about now, but um, some of those things are like this drone thing is really going to happen. Um, it's been a little tricky with the FAA trying to figure out how they're going to manage that, but um, the FAA has recently green-lighted sort of the certification has, they had a certification that was sort of slowing everyone down, um, and they green-lighted six companies in total um, to go ahead and self-certify to carry heavier packages, so 25 pounds, 25 miles. Um, which will really be a game changer. So we won't be just talking about like a drone delivering a pizza. We'll be talking about, you know, still items like a drone might deliver, you know, I'm not a construction person, but a screw to somebody who needs a part, you know, on the eighth floor so that, you know, construction doesn't have to stop. Um, um, Let me think of another example of that. Um, but them draw so the drone thing is really going to change uh, a lot of things, and there are a very small number of companies that are in that window that are really going to have at least probably a three year head start. So we're pretty excited about that. Um, and I think the FAA doing this um, also indicates that they're they're ready to move in the U.S. Mm-hmm. towards drone. Turndelivery is something that I think we follow really closely here at Freight Waves, and we're both very interested in as well. Amy, we've got about a minute left, so I want to round it out, just getting your thoughts and your advice on maybe women who want to jump into the VC space, whether that's looking to seek their own funding or to maybe join a partner group as well. Any really quick advice for them? Yeah, I mean, I think I think if I've learned anything because my career has been all over the place is that... Um, you just sort of have to jump in. Uh, nothing is really going to prepare you. Uh, 
I do believe in the power of the generalist, that everything that you pick up along the way of your career um, adds value. And um, I think, you know, we follow this idea of insiders, outsiders, legends, and visionaries, like our whole team believes in sort of the power of everyone bringing their unique perspective and um, what that adds, adds to the table. So really you just have to not wait for perfection, not wait to learn everything that needs to be known, but take kind of baby steps in and um, grow, learn as you grow. Yeah. I want to say uh, network make network makes your net worth, right? And uh, yeah. I think that's a, a big proponent of that too. Thank you so much, Amy. We appreciate your time and I uh, continue your great work in our space as well. All right. Thank you guys for having me. Absolutely. Always a joy. And we love to see women in the venture capital space. So it was great to have Amy on with us today. Grace, I know that we mentioned very briefly our Enterprise Fleet Summit tomorrow. You mentioned that you've got a fireside chat. Just one or do you have a couple? Uh, two. I'm actually leading the keynote off with women in trucking, uh, their new CEO and president. So that should be great. And then I also have a chat on interstate health systems and what they're doing to build better health programs for drivers as well. So it's going to be a good one. Everyone take some time to check that out. Awesome. That keynote starts live at 9 a.m. Head on over to live.freightwaves.com to get registered. We'll see you then for the Enterprise Fleet Summit. And we'll be back next Tuesday at two o'clock for your next episode of Great Quarter Gals. One, two, three.